48K News. It's 11 o'clock, I'm Kenny Hodjart. Tonight's headlines, doctors and the parents of a four-month-old girl who needs a heart transplant have appealed to the public for a donor. The Court of Final Appeal says it will rule on Monday on whether to grant leave for an appeal by the Justice Department that seeks to ban an overseas lawyer from representing former media tycoon Jimmy Lai in his upcoming national security trial. And the former Catholic Bishop of Hong Kong, Cardinal Joseph Zen, and five others have been found guilty of failing to register a relief fund for protesters as a society. Doctors and the parents of a four-month-old girl who needs a heart transplant have appealed to the public for a heart donor. The medical team say they're looking for the heart of a baby who passed away recently and who did not have cancer or any uncontrollable infections. They admitted that finding a suitable donor will be difficult because the girl is very small, but added they're following a protocol that is common around the world in order to maximise potential donors. The Court of Final Appeal says it will hand down a decision on Monday on whether to grant leave for an appeal that seeks to ban an overseas lawyer from representing former media tycoon Jimmy Lai in his upcoming national security trial. It was brought by the Justice Department after its attempts to block King's counsel Tim Owen from defending Mr Lai in the trial scheduled to begin on December the 1st were twice rejected by the Court of Appeal. More from Violet Wong. The Department of Justice, or DOJ, is represented by senior counsel Rimsky Yun. The former Secretary for Justice told Hong Kong's top court that hiring an overseas counsel in the case would go against the objective of the national security law, which is to prohibit foreign forces from intervening in the SAL's affairs. He said there's also no guarantee that overseas lawyers would protect national secrets. Mr. Yun reiterated arguments that Mr. Irwin can't make major contributions to the case as he does not have professional knowledge of the security law here. But Mr. Irwin's counsel, Robert Pang, said the DOJ should point out if the lower courts had erred in their rulings, adding that there were no reasonably arguable grounds for an appeal. Chief Justice Andrew Chung noted that the lower courts had, after considering the admission criteria, stated that overseas counsel should be admitted to help with the development of jurisprudence on national security. Justice Roberto Ribeiro, who also sits on the three-judge panel, said while Mr Yun is requesting a total ban on the admission of overseas lawyers in national security cases, he did not specify if special arrangements should be warranted if exceptional circumstances arise. Mr Lai, the founder of the now-defunct Apple Daily newspaper, faces trial for allegedly taking part in a conspiracy to print, publish, sell, offer for sale, distribute, display and or reproduce seditious publications, as well as conspiring with others to collude with a foreign country or external elements to endanger national security. His trial is expected to last for around 30 days. The former Catholic Bishop of Hong Kong, Cardinal Joseph Zen, and five others have been found guilty of failing to register a protester relief fund as a society. They've each been fined a few thousand dollars, as Damon Pang reports. The now-defunct 612 Humanitarian Relief Fund raised money to pay the legal and medical fees of protesters between July 2019 and October 2021. West Kowloon Principal Magistrate Ada Yim ruled that the defendants failed to register the fund in a timely manner in accordance with the society's ordinance. Cardinal Sen and the other former fund trustees, singer Denise Ho, former lawmakers Margaret Ng and Sid Ho, and scholar Hoi Po Kang, 
were fined $4,000 each. The former secretary of the 612 Fund, Si Chengui, was ordered to pay a $2,500 penalty. Margaret Ng, who is a barrister, said outside court that because of the magistrate's lengthy judgment, the defendants would need some time before they could decide whether to pursue the matter further. She and the four other former trustees were arrested in May by National Security Police for another offence. They were reportedly accused of conspiring to collude with foreign powers, an offence under the national security law. The five were released on bail and no further charges have so far been laid against them. Quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy with a few rain patches, temperatures uh, ranging between 22 and 25 degrees, moderate east to northeasterly winds. The current temperature at the observatory is 22 degrees Celsius with relative humidity of 94%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Health authorities reported 8,878 COVID infections today, of which 562 were imported. 16 more patients with COVID have died. The Hong Kong Taxi and Public Light Bus Association has submitted an application to the Transport Department asking for a $6 increase to $33 at flagfall for urban taxis. The association's head, Chow Kwok Kung, said the proposal was supported by close to 20 taxi groups. He urged the government to approve the application as soon as possible. It took five years for our last fare increase to be approved. As we've only raised fares by 11% in five years, it's seriously lagging behind inflation. Fuel prices have been rising, people's salaries are increasing. Therefore, to retain drivers, their income should increase too, or there would be fewer and fewer taxes in the city. If the situation worsens, it might be difficult for citizens to find a taxi one day. The last fare increase was in July. At present, the flagfall charge for red urban taxis is $27. The airport authority says around 140 flights a day have been using the new third runway at the airport this month. Speaking at the runway's official launch ceremony, the authority's chairman, Jack So, said he hopes the project will be completed within its budget of $145 billion dollars, which he said has been wholly raised through the issuance of bonds. Chief Secretary Eric Chan, who also attended the ceremony, said the new runway greatly enhances the airport's capacity. Together with Hong Kong's distinctive advantages of enjoying strong support of the motherland and being closely connected to the world, the runway will allow us to fortify and boost the SER status as an international aviation hub. The airport authority said some 11,000 flights have used the runway, the third runway since the operations began in early July, adding that other related works such as the expansion of Terminal 2 and the construction of a new concourse are expected to be completed by 2024. Cathay Pacific is in talks with manufacturers about future orders for medium-haul aircraft. Natalie Ching reports. At an analyst briefing, Chief Customer and Commercial Officer Ronald Lam said Cathay's focus would be on acquiring more medium-haul jets for operation in the Asia-Pacific region. But he did not mention the numbers or the types being considered. Mr. Lam also said there was a need for dedicated freighters. Citing existing orders for Airbus SE A350 and Boeing 777X planes, he said the airline already had enough long-haul aircraft for its growth plan. 
Earlier this month, Cathay said it expected to reach 70% of pre-pandemic passenger capacity by the end of 2023. Some 2,000 children living in subdivided flats are to be given a furniture set that organisers hope will help them boost their lot in life. The initiative by the Polytechnic University's Jockey Club Design Institute for Social Innovation is for children aged between 4 and 16. They will be given an adjustable desk, a chair, footrests, a reading partition and a rechargeable light. Karen Lee is a project manager for the programme. We're trying to, you know, empower the children and help them to increase their confidence in studying and to give them a sense that they are in control of the future. And that's actually priceless in our view. And this is not really like a welfare programme, if you see what I'm trying to say. We are not looking at this from a welfare angle. We are giving them a tool to empower them and to actually encourage them that they they can uh, try to break away from intergenerational property by actually studying harder. A deadly fire has ripped through an apartment block in the Xinjiang capital of Urumqi, killing 10 people and injuring nine. Last night's blaze was the second deadly fire in the past few days, as Mike Weeks reports. State broadcaster CCTV said the Arumchi blaze broke out on the 15th floor of the building and quickly spread to higher floors. It took firefighters about three hours to put it out. Authorities believe the deadly blaze was caused by an electric socket extension. The nine people hurt are said to have suffered lung injuries and are now in stable condition in hospital. The vast Xinjiang Autonomous Region has been under sweeping COVID measures for weeks, though CCTV said the apartment building was in a compound categorised as low risk. That's a term used for areas without coronavirus cases, meaning, state media says, that residents were able to flee downstairs. On Tuesday, 38 people were killed in a factory inferno in central Anyang. Many of the victims were women who made winter cotton clothes and pants. A Beijing court has sentenced the former Chinese-Canadian pop star Chris Wu to 13 years in jail after he was found guilty of rape. Wu originally shot to fame as a member of the K-pop band EXO before leaving in 2014 to launch a successful solo career as a singer, actor, model and variety show judge. Last year, 19-year-old student Du Meizhu accused Wu of date-raping her when when she was 17. Australia is considering a plan to bring in new laws to increase transparency after an inquiry criticised the former Prime Minister for secretly giving himself extra powers during the Covid pandemic. Scott Morrison appointed himself to run five additional ministries without telling even members of his own cabinet. Australia's current Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, said the report was an indictment of the previous government. This is a scathing report, which is an indictment on the Morrison government and the culture of secrecy. And the question here is as well, what was the culture that allowed this to thrive? How is it that Scott Morrison had the confidence to be able to appoint himself to uh, six positions and consider even more Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter, announced yesterday that he's allowing suspended accounts amnesty, which internet safety experts believe will lead to an increase in harassment, hate speech and false information. 
The billionaire had asked for votes on whether to reinstate accounts that haven't broken the law or engaged in severe spam in a poll uploaded to his timeline. Almost three quarters of voters answered yes. So what does this mean for the future of the platform? Emily Birnbaum, a tech lobbying reporter for Bloomberg, explains. We're already seeing, you know, he's already reinstated a string of accounts that were suspended specifically for harassing the LGBTQ community. Um, and we've seen a spike in anti-gay language and harassment and abuse on the platform. Um, and that extends to everything you could think of. You know, there's racism, there's misinformation and Twitter actually fought really hard to try to rid itself of those issues. I guess if you asked him, you know, he thinks of himself as a free speech absolutist. That's what he says. He says that, you know, taking people off of a platform is something he just doesn't agree with philosophically. And his critics, of course, would say that he's very aligned with the right wing. You can see, you know, in who he engages with on the platform, even in recent days, um, a lot of them are on the right. A lot of them have faced, you know, suspensions, have been booted from the platform. And so this is also a gesture towards them. To sport and Iran have beaten Wales 2-0 at the World Cup in Qatar with both goals coming in the final minutes of injury time. The Welsh goalkeeper Wayne Hennessy was sent off for a foul in the second half, the first red card of the tournament. The hosts Qatar have just beaten uh, Senegal three goals to one. And here's the BBC's Lee James with a look at some of the major World Cup matches to look forward to this weekend. With six World Cups between them, Germany and Argentina are two of world football's powerhouses. But after two shock defeats, face the prospect of early elimination. Germany failing to get out of their group for a second successive World Cup is unthinkable. But they face a daunting match against a Spanish side that is full of confidence after thrashing Costa Rica 7-0. Hansi Flick's side took the lead against Japan but failed to take their chances. And their inability to defend against Japan's pace and movement will be a worry. Another defeat and Germany's campaign could be over if Japan also beat Costa Rica. While this was supposed to be a final opportunity for Lionel Messi to lift his first World Cup trophy, but despite scoring from the penalty spot, his dream is in tatters after Saudi Arabia stunned them. But they are unbeaten in the last 10 meetings with Mexico, who they face on Saturday. They were in the end relieved to get a point from their goalless draw with Poland after Robert Lewandowski missed a late penalty. Argentina simply have to win this one. Elsewhere, France play Denmark in a key clash in Group D and Belgium look for their second win when they face Morocco in Group F. Quick reminder of our top stories. Doctors and the parents of a four-month-old girl who needs a heart transplant have appealed to the public for a donor. The Court of Final Appeal says it will rule on Monday on whether to grant leave for an appeal by the Justice Department that seeks to ban an overseas lawyer from representing former media tycoon Jimmy Lai and the former Catholic Bishop of Hong Kong, Cardinal Joseph Zen, and five others have been found guilty of failing to register a relief fund. The news from RTHK. <laughs> Radio Free Heavenly shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time Indeed, here we are, right to the edge of the weekend. Just a few minutes left of Friday, and then we're into Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully, 
can get a couple of days off. Thanks for tuning in to Twilight Time. 45 minutes of really easygoing music to help you relax if you've had a bit of a week of it. And the first one up for you this evening is a track from The Bachelors. I wouldn't trade you for the world 